for me, please. Well, we're just thinking this time we're together that uh, we are your church, and we thank you for that. We thank you for giving us the opportunity to come to prayer, and we just ask that you will stand, that stand to present your word today, Father, not his word, but your word. And we just ask that you uh, drive them into our hearts, that we would bring the blood open our day, Father, for all this. We thank you in the most precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, uh, as we mentioned earlier, today is the first day of Lent, and usually on Lent you talk about the temptation of Jesus. So that's what I'm going to talk about today, and also his, uh, his help for us in our temptations, and which is, I think, the crux of the matter. Is everything okay back there? Hey, and I want to, Barb, on the computer, instead of reading through the scripture, I'm just going to go, we're going to work through it as we go. And so I normally would have you stand to read the scripture, but you might be standing for 10, 15 minutes. So I didn't want to do that. And, but in, in uh, deference of time, I think we'll just work our way through it. So the temptation of Jesus. And oftentimes when we think of that, you think, could Jesus really be tempted? At least that's what I thought. Could he really be tempted? You know, Jesus had a, a, uh, a body like ours, and yet he had the divine spirit somehow enmeshed with it. I don't totally understand it, but, uh, but uh, anyway, I would acknowledge that it's, it's a hard thing to understand. But Jesus was tempted, and so if you'd like to put up that scripture, and normally I'd have you stand, but I think let's just let's sit and, and talk about this as we go. It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you're the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. So what was the first thing Jesus did, or the, the devil did, the tempter? So we got to remember about the tempter. The tempter and the devil are two different things. And, and have you guys ever been tempted? Well, it's the tempter that comes and does it. He comes and tempts us, and he, he wants us to do things. And so he, he came to uh, Jesus and tempted him. Now, this is early in Jesus' ministry, and uh, he was... Uh, uh, going to um, um, start his ministry then. And so he said, the, the stones become bread. But he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So how did Jesus answer the devil? First of all, he said, it is written. And then he quoted to him Deuteronomy 8.3, and that highlighted section on the verse is uh, Deuteronomy 8.3. So he quoted scripture to, to the devil. So then, then he said, goes along and he says, then the devil took him to the holy city and it had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. Okay, so what's the holy city? Jerusalem. All right, the pinnacle of the temple. It would be the second temple and they had been working on it for years, for decades. So uh, you know how, how high the pinnacle of the temple was? It was supposedly 151 feet. So me being a country boy, I like to visualize things. What's 151 feet if he's going to throw himself down from that distance? So uh, go down the green. If you, if you don't know, drive by the green elevator today down Main Street and look at that because it's about 150 feet tall. 
And so that's kind of the height it was. Now, I don't know where I learned this little tidbit of information, but uh, if you, uh, the, the chance of dying from certain falls. So if you would uh, fall from one foot, you have a 1% chance of dying. If you fall from 50 feet, you have a 50% chance of dying. And of course, you go up to 100 foot. If you have a 100 foot fall, you have a 100% chance of dying. And so this was up 150 feet, one and a half times the death ratio. And uh, Jesus was, the, the devil was tempting Jesus to jump off this. And you think, why, why here? Well, remember, Jesus has been teaching down in the, uh, in the synagogue, in the very temple where he was standing on top. He had spent many days teaching there, and he was, uh, uh, just think of what that had done for his credibility if he had jumped off that and landed there and kept on teaching. Let's, keep, let's continue on. And he said to him, if the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, he's questioning that, Throw yourself down, for it is written. Okay, now here, here Satan does a trick, and he quotes scripture at Jesus. And this next passage is from Psalms 91, verses 11 and 12. It says, it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So, what's he tempting Jesus to do? To jump off the temple. And he quotes this verse at him. Then Jesus said to him, on the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, Jesus answered with scripture, and he quoted back to him Deuteronomy 6.13. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship. Then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. So that was Jesus' temptation. And I believe in some sense, and I don't understand, but Jesus was truly tempted, as we are truly tempted. And, uh, of course, he was sinless, and so he did not succumb to the temptations that were put in front of him. But he was tempted. In Hebrews 2.18, it says, For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. So Jesus, he can come and help us because he was tempted, and so he can help us when we're tempted. He understands because he's got flesh and bone like we do. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we, yet without sin. And so he's, so Jesus has faced the whole gamut of, of the temptation like we have. We've been tempted, but Jesus was tempted as well. There's, there, there's nothing new under the sun. 1 John 2, 15 and 16 tells us about these temptations. It says, do not love the world, nor the things in the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. So these, the, 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 the flesh, the eyes, and pride are the three things we're tempted at. I've heard it called, uh, we're going to be tempted with money, morals, and pride. But, uh, but Jesus was victorious 
on this. So just to, to kind of uh, show how this illustration goes along with the Matthew 4 passage, when the flesh, the lust of the flesh, Jesus was tempted to turn stone into bread. For the pride, he said, if you bow down to me, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. And the lust of the eyes, if you just jump from the temple. And so Jesus was tempted in those three areas, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the brosal pride of life. So that's how Jesus succeeded. And so what's our example then from Jesus to, be, uh, to, to deal with temptation? Well, first of all, you see what he said three times? He said, it is written. It is written. God gave us his word, and, and of course he was quoting from Deuteronomy. God gave us his word, first of all, to help us with temptation. Jesus quoted scripture to the tempter. Uh, three times. And so are we equipped, do we spend time in our word, are we equipped to, to help the devil out or to, to battle the devil? Yeah, we help the devil out, don't we? <laughs> I remember when I was a, uh, a uh, young man, I just started going to K-State. I was my first year and I didn't know nothing. And I had learned about going to Aggieville and and, uh, and gosh, there's a lot of good looking ladies up there at, on the campus at K-State. And um, anyway, the guys in the room next to me started witnessing to me and sharing Christ with me. And, and uh, long story short, they got me in a Bible study. So God started convicting me about some things. Well, when I moved in, one of the posters I put on my wall was, was the Farrah Fawcett poster. Remember that one? She's a good looking lady. Yeah. And um, anyway, so as you can tell, I was having troubles with the lust of the flesh. But uh, uh, Scott, there's a group called the Navigators, which these guys were part of. I don't know if you ever heard of that, the Navigators, but they're big on scripture memory. And, and so um, uh, one of the scriptures I memorized was Matthew 5, 27 and 28. It says, you've heard it said you should not commit adultery, but I say to you that anyone who looks upon a woman to lust for her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. And so I knew God wanted me to control my eyes and my thoughts. And so, uh, unfortunately, Farah had to go away. But, um, but I know, and then, then walking across campus, you know, a lot of, back in the, the uh, late 70s, uh, you know, many skirts were many back then. And, and so you had to watch your eyes and guard your eyes. But I knew... Uh, the, the, the navs told me to memorize Psalm 119, 9 and 11. And it says, how can a young man keep his way pure? It, it asks this rhetorical question. And it goes on in verse 11, it says, by keeping it according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against God. So I had to hide God's word in my heart. So that started me on a process of uh, memorizing scriptures over the years. And God wants us to know the word so we can battle the devil when his temptations come. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. So God wants us to um, um, memorize his word. But we need to be in his word. There, there's a passage 
in uh, Ephesians 5, 25 and 26, it says, husband, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church. Now the emphasis has changed to the church. And gave himself up for her, for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Did you get that? We get washed by the word. And so we need to be in the word on a daily basis so it washes us and cleans us because we get dirty every day. We need the word to help us to, to stay clean. So Jesus gave us his word to instruct us how to handle temptation victoriously. So we need to be in his word and hide his word in his heart. Secondly, um, what the word does is he tells us what to do. You, you remember in the garden of Gethsemane? That was the, the night of the Passover, which we're going to celebrate how many days from now? Did anybody say 40? Yes, remember we just talked about it. 40 days from now, on March 30th, we'll be celebrating Passover, which is uh, uh, the day before Easter. But, but in the garden, Jesus said to him, Remember, he went to the garden and he prayed and he knew what was coming and he prayed and he prayed so hard that he sweat drops of blood. He prayed so hard and he came back and for the disciples and he was wanting them to pray with him and what were they doing? They were sleeping. And so what's Jesus say to him? He says, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. And so I always remember that. The spirit is willing. There's things I want to do, but my flesh is weak. It seemed like I have a constant battle with the flesh. So first of all, we need to remember we are weak. We are weak. And so that's why we need to watch. Romans 7, 18 to 21 says, this, this is Paul talking, by the way. And Paul's saying how he is doing. He says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I'm doing the very thing I do not want, I'm no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to go, do good. You feel like that sometimes? I want to do good, but then I think I get angry or whatever it might be, and I think there is evil present within me. And so we need to watch. We need to watch. The, uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, we're, we're warned. It says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands... Take heed lest he fall. So I'm never going to think that I stand, that I'm ever firm or whatever, because it says pride, pride goes before fall, and I know I can fall. And so I, I don't think I stand. I think I just trust in Jesus every day. And you remember in the Lord's Prayer, how the Lord taught us to pray? Let's say that together, if you would, with me. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So you notice those two lines in there? He said, we pray, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. And some say, deliver us from the evil one. And so we are going to be tempted. But God says we need to pray for God's help that the temptation would go away. And so we need to ask the Lord and pray when we are tempted to pray, to ask the Lord to help us that he would not lead us into temptation, but that he would deliver us from the evil one. So the third thing we need to do is we need to build fences. Now, I spent a lot of time building fences, and a couple weeks ago I spent a lot more time building fences. Where a uh, winter, one of my groups of cattle uh, is across from our house, and I got calls several days in a row about some cattle being out on my wheat field, which is just north of this pasture. And uh, so I went out, and I'd chase these little steers in, and they'd go, and they'd jump in the fence, and I never could get close to them. They were on a dead run away from me. But I went and checked the fence, and the, ch the fence looked fine. And I thought, well, where are these stinkers getting out? So, uh, so in, the, in the process, I, I went and checked all the staples, all the clips, and uh, still these steers were getting out. So then I go, and uh, I, I had a pile of posts, and we drove a, a new post between every one of my old posts, moved the top wire down, and uh, we went from a five-wire fence to a six-wire fence, and the posts being... Uh, about eight feet apart rather than further than that. And so, um, anyway, we, we built fence. But you know what? Those steers aren't getting out now, and I'm thankful for that. <laughs> you know, for today, I might get a call right now and, and say, hey, you got cattle out, and we got to run and put them back in. But, uh, but anyway, in the, the way we need to do, we got these temptations that we're wanting to cross this fence about. So we need to build these fences to keep us inside where we're supposed to be. Those steers aren't supposed to be in my wheat. I want to, I want to gray, grow wheat, not just feed those, those steers. In uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 27, it says, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave so that while I am preaching to others, I myself might not be disqualified. So you see what Paul's saying? He, he disciplines his body, and, and some versions say buffet. And I always thought that was buffet for years. I buffet my body, but now, no, it's buffet. Discipline my body. And so part of that is what building fences is all about. We, we're saying we're setting up these, these fences, these standards that we're not going to cross because they help protect us from our flesh that wants to get out of the pasture. You see what I'm saying? So the, the spirit must take control over the flesh. In Romans 13, 14, it says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. And so we put on Christ and then we make no provision for the flesh. And so uh, there's a story I think I've told before, but uh, it's, it's worth repeating. There was a guy who was really overweight and he went to the doctor, and the doctor said, man, you're going to have a heart attack if you don't lose some weight. Well, the guy says to the doctor, says, well, the trouble is, well, on my way to work every day, I walk, and 
and I walk right by this donut store. And when I walk by this donut store, before I know it, I smell it. And before I know it, I'm inside and I'm eating. I got a dozen donuts and I finish them off before I get to work. So uh, the doctor said, well, where do you work? And, and he said, well, well, where do you live? He looked at his folder and he said, well, you've got to walk two blocks out of your way to go buy that donut shop. <laughs> and see, that's what making provision for the flesh is all about. We're making excuses for ourselves. We're allowing ourselves to do things we shouldn't be doing because we're making provisions for the flesh and not living according to the spirit. So some of the fences that I set up is that you don't be alone with another person of the opposite sex. You put up fences there. You don't um, let your best friend be a person of the opposite sex. You're not going to confide in them. You shouldn't do that. And, and things like drugs and alcohol, a lot of people have, uh, have strong addictions to that. If you're, having, if you're an alcoholic, you should not do a Bible study in a bar. It's not going to work out for you like that. If, um, you know, these, these little devices here, aren't, aren't they wonderful and great? But if I wanted to, I could uh, look up pornography in about three seconds right here in church. And if you've got trouble with pornography, you shouldn't have one of these stupid phones. Flip phones still work. You need to use a flip phone. Because you can't get porn on a flip phone. And so you've got to put up these boundaries, these fences. Music. I, I, I drive, have a lot of tractors I drive, and occasionally somebody else gets in one of my tractors, and they turn to the country music station. And uh, anyway, I, I like country music, but there's a lot of country music that's not good to listen to, and it affects your mind. You see, in Romans 12, 2, it says... And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. See, they, the devil aims for our mind, and we've got to protect our mind. And also, we've got to remember one other thing that, you know, I, especially with the guys in, in prison going back home, you know, we tell them 1 Corinthians 15, 33, bad company corrupts good morals. And so if you're wanting to live for Christ and you're hanging out with somebody that maybe in your past life you, uh, you were doing drugs with or whatever, um, maybe you shouldn't be hanging out with them. Maybe you need to be away from them. You know, I, I always say it's like, uh, you know, you, you want to help your buddy out. You want to help lead him to Christ. But if you... Uh, you know, if I had a chair up here and and one, two people of equal size, one up on the chair and one down on the ground, who's going to win a tug-of-war match? Are, are you going to pull them up or are they going to pull you down? See, that's the kind of a question you need to ask yourself is about who you hang out, hang, <clears throat> hang out with. Finally, number four, we need to walk in the Spirit. There's this passage in Galatians 5, and probably my, my life verse is Galatians 5.16, because I think that's the only way I make it. And I th really, I think it's the only way you make it too. But I want to go through this passage real quick, and we'll look at this. It says, but if you bite and devour one another, 
Take care that you are not consumed by one another. Here's the verse. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Let me say that again. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For, it's the, for the flesh has its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. Okay, here's this list. Ready for the list? Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of angers, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I will forewarn you, just as I have forewarned those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, you notice uh, it uses the word practice there in verse 21. If you practice those things, if this, so what does it mean to practice? Practice would mean uh, customarily, habitual of expected or expected procedure or way of doing something. So if this is your way of life, to live like what we just read, you might not be saved. Because if we're saved, God wants us to live for Christ. Now, we're not going to be perfect. We're going to sin occasionally. But if the practice of your life is to live immorally, you probably don't know Jesus. You need to, you need to live a life that's pleasing to him. Um, but, it says, but, and it gives us the fruit of the Spirit. How does the Spirit help us? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Are those, are those the attributes you have in your life? love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. He says, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. See, we've been, if we belong to Jesus, we're trying to kill this old flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not to become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. So we need to walk by the Spirit. We need to listen to him. We need to uh, be in his word. You know, you, you often think, you, the question I ask myself is, is how do you live by the Spirit? How do you, how do, you do it? You know, what, what's, the, what's the formula? And I don't know if there's a formula, but it's, but it's being in God's word. It's by, by praying and asking God to help you. It's by building fences. And it's by crying out to the Holy Spirit to help you to live. A lot of times during the day, my help is, my prayer is help. My prayer is help because I need God to help me throughout the day because I know I'm weak and I know I need him. And I know he wants me to keep his word. So, uh, uh, guys, if you want to come on out.
I know we don't have any. Yeah, come on, come on. It's great out here. We're going to have some people down here to pray with you today, if you would uh, like to pray. I know you think maybe after talking, it says, maybe, man, maybe the way I've been given in temptation, maybe I'm not saved. And you want, you want to make sure about that. We'll have some elders down here in a minute to pray with you. We're going to sing this great old song. It's called, uh, one that's kind of new, and it's called Amazing Grace. But God gives us the grace to live the life, to have the strength to follow Jesus, to say no to temptations like he did.